We've got trouble. Good work. Right, we're running away. On this picturesque block, in this manicured hope, something evil. What are we going to do if we spotted Frank? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on, tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise and at the end of each week along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. We have big divorce dad energy coming your way on the next episode. Join the sleaze. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get two bonus episodes every single month, as well as an on-air shout-out. And we have been doing those bonus episodes for over two years, so there are a ton of bonus episodes, something like 60-plus, as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre movies, which we've been doing a lot during quarantine. Um, So there's probably like 80 episodes of bonus content for you. um, Waiting for you guys... Uh, and speaking of which, we do have a lot of patrons to thank uh, this week. Um, so I'll get to those. We are going to be thanking this week Shane Patrick, a large, oh, oh, uh, Mossage Norheim, uh, Jay, uh, Brendan Carroll, uh, Plap. I think I've seen him around in the Discord. Welcome, Plap. <laughs> Riley James. And Zachary just it just kept going. <laughs> a lot of wise. Um, yeah. So um, thanks so much to you guys for signing up. Hope you guys are enjoying all of those uh, bonus episodes. And speaking of which, too, for any of the ten dollar patrons listening, uh, we have a uh, our virtual screening coming up sometime next week for you guys. So yeah. look look forward to that as well. I think last month we did the abominable Doctor Fibs or Phoebs yeah. with yeah, uh, Vincent was a wild Price. Time. And yeah, those of us who were in there absolutely lost our minds. Um, so That's look fun. forward to that. Uh, the other plug for the week, as always, is iTunes. If you guys are listening on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts in the in the App Store, make sure to scroll all the way to the bottom and give us a good old rating and review if you're listening. Uh, helps yes, us find new uh, listeners and climb the ranks over there. So we appreciate that. Um, that being said, I think that's everything for the intro this week. Sorry if the intro sounds kind of weird. I'm working off a new laptop right now, so I'm doing this all from memory. I have no (laughs) info in front of me. Usually I got charts. I got graphs. I got stats. I got everything. You guys don't even know the amount of stuff I got on my screen. Looks like that always sunny meme, you know? Exactly. Looking um, everywhere. this, This week I'm using my backup laptop which has none of my uh, usual Excel spreadsheets and Word docs and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm going completely off the top of the brain. Um, so we know you have that I, memorized. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, what else do we usually say at this point? Usually they go, hey, what's up? You know the show. I'm Josh. I'm, I'm Jamie. I'm, that's Jamie. Yep, we're here. We're, we're back. We're talking sleazy movies. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time uh, you guys would have heard from us and we would have had special guest on Brendan Boyle talking about uh, Richard Stark crime novels or um, 
that was his pen name. He's also known as Donald E. Westlake. He wrote the uh, crime novels, uh, pulp novels about the character named Parker, which has been turned into a lot of different films. And we talked about two of those films um, two weeks ago. We did Point Blank from 1967, directed by John Borman. And we also did John Flynn's The Outfit from 1973, starring Robert Duvall and Joe Don Baker and Karen Black. Yeah. And we had a really good time talking with Brendan. Brendan has read every single one of those novels. So he was a he was he just an encyclopedia of-, of knowledge on Richard Stark and on the character of Parker and how two very different filmmakers decided to adapt him with Borman doing this almost borderline experimental sort of like character study descent versus John Flynn's more sort of lean and blunt and to the point kind of pulp story. Yeah. Um, with some Both very comedy in there, too, a little bit. Yes, a little bit of comedy as well. Um, experimental? Never. Never. <laughs> yeah. Which, speaking of which, the, uh, the uh, episode last week for any uh, Patreon listeners, that would have been D- John Borman double feature, baby. We oh, did yeah. uh, Zardoz as well as Excalibur, because we just couldn't get enough John Borman. We did Exorcist 2 a couple weeks ago, and then we did Point Blank. We were like, you know what, let's just close this out. Let's just make this the John Borman show for a couple weeks. Absolutely. Uh, so listen to us absolutely destroy our own brains, <laughs> trying to re-describe yeah, what melted. happens in Zardoz. Um, <laughs> and then talk about you know him doing sort of like his own uh, medieval fantasy I don't know. It, 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 it had a hard time with that one just yeah, because it was. It takes itself very seriously for, for being what it is. Like you still have Merlin and all that shit, but it's, it's very dark and uh, uh, almost Shakespearean in a way. Well, and, and John Borman was really obsessed with do, with adapting sort of Arthurian legend as well. And we know that he wanted to make another Lord of the Rings trilogy for a very long time. He loved fantasy. Yeah. So he kind of got to put all of his interests in making a Lord of the Rings trilogy into both Zardoz and Excalibur in very different ways. But we had a really awesome time trying to dissect that. Again, uh, patreon.com slash Sleazoids podcast for anyone who wants to listen to that episode. That was uh, last week's bonus. Oh, yeah. But this week... We have a very special returning guest making his uh, comeback. Uh, I I want (laughs) to say he came on for episode 65. So a long time ago, over a year ago, but we wanted to check in him because he's, 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 I mean, we don't pick too many favorites around here, but he is one of our absolute favorite patrons. He was the second person who signed up and has been one of the, you know, one of the longest supporters of the show. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) And honestly, just genuinely, his letterbox is just an entire encyclopedia on trash cinema. Anytime (laughs) I look at a movie that two people have seen, he's usually one of those two people. (laughs) Um, We have joining us uh, Steve Carlson. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. And uh, I would just like to throw out here, uh, Zardoz is actually one of the reasons I'm married. Oh, really? Okay, hold on. You can't just say that. Explain that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we get. It gets better. Uh, I'm uh, the night I met my wife. Uh, she had shown up with a friend of mine to see Clerks Two, and the night before I had seen Lady in the Water. So I walked in ranting about it, um, about how it was the sort of you know like disaster, like you know auteur disaster that you just don't see anymore. And I, <laughs> I mentioned it's like it's like Shyamalan's Zardoz, 
which means the first words my wife ever said to me are the penis is evil. <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. That's, that's a love baby. story if I, I've ever heard. I'd love to hear that. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it clicked pretty quick after that. <laughs> that's great. Well, Steve, uh, before we jump too fast into it, we, we haven't checked in with you in a while. How are things going for you, dog? We're still in the quarantine zone over here. Everyone's still in the quarantine zone, especially <laughs> yeah. in the United States. I imagine any of our American listeners, which is the vast majority of our listeners, honestly. Um, but, but, but how are you doing in these times, dog? I've been working retail the entire time. I haven't oh. quarantined at all. Oh, so, dang, man. Yeah, I, I, I go to work. I slap on a mask. Go home 10 hours later, wash my hands a lot. Have you seen a couple of those fights between the mask, the maskers and the non-maskers in the retail area? <laughs> there have fortunately been no physical altercations, but we <laughs> have good. had some, uh, some, uh, some verbal disagreements. <laughs> yeah. Well, my God. Well, well, well Jamie, I think, Jamie, I think Thanks. is, is, is still a little bit in the quarantine zone. I am back yes. to work at the movie theater. Um, but num- numbers are, are increasing a little bit in Canada. So who knows for, for us in the near future. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's why we, that's why we do this show. Cause this so show got, is, we got movies, baby. We get to sit in our apartments. We get to go to other worlds. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes scarier worlds. You, know? you never know. Um, so Steve, as it goes, uh, we have the guests bring on the double feature. Steve knows this. Steve's a longtime listener. He's been he's been on the show before. So Steve, what two films have you brought with you this week, and why did they pair together? Well, uh, I brought a uh, double feature uh, based around the early works of Peter Jackson, who um, most people know from you know a, a little trilogy that <laughs> won a couple of awards a couple of years back. Um, but uh, I have brought. Bad Taste, his debut, and Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, in uh, every territory aside from America. But uh, being in America, I'm going to be a little chauvinistic about it. Um, <laughs> which is, it's a you know very high energy zombie comedy, and in my opinion, the greatest film ever made. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was how I knew that we were going to have Steve on for this episode because this episode was, I think, pitched by one of the patrons when, uh, when we hit 150 patrons, we have opened up one episode every other month for the patrons being some uh, episode that they vote on. This was one of the ones that didn't win, but Steve was like, "If you do that episode, you have to have me on," and I knew because it is one of Steve's just favorite films of of all time. Last time you came on, you brought on Shot on Video Horror with you and Boarding House, and I noticed that right beside Boarding House on your favorite films was <laughs> Dead Alive. Yep. So I was I, I knew if Dead Alive was going to be an episode that we did, that Steve was definitely going to come on for it. So I'm glad that we are just, you know, even though it didn't win in the votes, you know, <laughs> we, we, and uh, we decided to overrule democracy because we have that power here, and <laughs> we decided right. to have Steve on anyway. <laughs> Authoritarian sleazoids, but over but here. but but stay tuned a little bit later. The one that did win <laughs> is still coming. <laughs> it might just come next week. You know? That's that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that being said, I think we're going to jump in, uh, jump right into it here. We are going to get started with the uh, what I think is technically the directorial debut of one Peter Jackson. And then the soft feature right after. So we're going to start here, though, and we are going to begin with Bad Taste. That's the end of the weekend, cowboys. What's up, boys? You go on. I'm going to go back and stop those... 
God's sake, guys, put that thing down. Let's get in there and hit the leader. All right, we are talking Bad Taste, the 1987 New Zealand independent science fiction comedy horror splatter film. <laughs> Directed, <laughs> right. produced, photographed, and co-edited, and even co-starring Peter Jackson. Who, in two roles, no less. Yeah. In two roles, and also, from what I understand, he was behind most, if not all, of the makeup and special effects that were seen in the film as well, producing wow. them in his mother's kitchen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. I had no idea about that. So this is entirely from the brain of one Peter Jackson. He made this on an, a shoestring budget of something like a few thousand dollars over the course of uh, something like four years. He shot on weekends with his buddies, and that was basically how oh, this wow. got made. And the only reason it even has the tiniest little bit of sort of coherence to it is because he was eventually funded to kind of finish the film it sounds like once you know he had you know the the majority of a film already made the new zealand film commission was like okay this dude's making something we should we should uh we're kind of proud of this because new zealand are fucking freaks apparently um and they 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 let him do it um but very broadly bad taste and I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen Bad Taste, this won't, um, or for anyone who has seen Bad Taste, this won't obviously come as a surprise. This was a surprise to me, though, that this was a film about intergalactic body-swapping aliens who are looking to develop new flavors for their alien fast food chain. That's right. Yes. Trying to innovate. Yes, they descend on Earth and are greeted by what is known as the Astro Investigation Defense Service. (laughs) Yes. And I, I I love, I love that, that, that kind of breaks down to the obvious joke, like the obvious (laughs) bad, bad taste, so to speak joke. And there's just the one throwaway line about it. Like, I wish they'd change that name. And then, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, we got, we got, we need to get out of that. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was uh, like something that, that jumps out to me right away is they don't uh, they don't waste any time with showing the effects and the gore. Like the the very first kill is just a complete splatter fest of a of a, a head completely cut off it right in yeah, half. Right. We have that shot of the of the the brains flying through the air and splatting onto the rock. And and like yes. we've seen this uh, a couple times too with some movies that we've been. Uh, talking about in the horror genre is it's another movie that really cranks up the the sound effects of like the ooze and the blood kind of you know wetness yeah exactly (laughs) just it's 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 so gross in that regard and and it's one it's one of those movies again that that cranks it to 10 like it almost seems like it's it's too loud but it's just so effective (laughs) yeah i uh it's it i hadn't seen this one in a while and uh it's just interesting to to note how much it, 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 there's never any really payoff to it either, but how many <laughs> scenes there are of people just slipping and stuff. Yeah. 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 A lot of like, physical comedy in this. 
Yeah, it was like they're they're like they're, it's there's only five minutes five minutes into the film before like Derek, um, uh, Peter Jackson's character, is like pursuing an alien and he steps in. I think he steps in shit and yeah. slips in it. He doesn't fall over, but he just that he he just needed to slip at that point and lose yeah. his bearings just a little bit. <laughs> and stuff like this happens all over the film. So you know, it's it's just like a devotion to getting a laugh wherever you can get it. And it's also yeah. like bringing out once again the the physical aspect of the performances. He does a ton of really uh, close up shots on their faces and stuff, which at times mm-hmm. makes it look almost kind of distorted and and always sweaty and you know and and uh, it just kind of adds to the physicality of what they're doing as performers already because they are kind of doing this over the top thing where it's uh, you know they're they're yelling a lot. A lot of their facial expressions are are very animated. Um, yes. Yeah, well, and, and also it has a very, you know, despite the low budget, it does have a very hyperactive camera. From what I understand, oh, yeah. he basically created his own sort of weight system or counterweight system, which, you know, is basically sort of like the bare bones of what a steady cam is. And for $15, he basically made his own homemade steady cam. And so that's why you get a lot of images of, you know, he'll have an intense close up and then all of a sudden he will, you know, use the steady cam to pull out all the way and move over right. and, you know, catch an action beat that's happening. Cause you know, the, the, the camera is always kind of like on the move and he's always developing like these very sort of like subtle oneers kind of deal that, that he moves his way through, um, yeah. which just kind of lends a little bit of credibility to like the absolutely absurd story, <laughs> which is, <laughs> it, which, which is not even really a story cause they, they, literally just did not have a script for this film. He was, it's basically just a bunch of friends got together and every weekend, you know, throughout the work week, they would be like, you know, it would be really cool if like the next step step of these like dorks (laughs) that are also a paramilitary government service of some sort. Um, they just, they ran into an alien and they fucking, knocked his head off or something. And yeah. then they were like, on the weekend, then they would go ahead and they would go and shoot it. So that's the way that it was actually made. And and it does carry, you know, like a level of charm because of like, like there is some goofy elements of like, this is just a dude and his couple of friends. And, you know, an alien shows up and instead of like doing this thing about like, oh my God, I can't believe there's an alien. They don't go for any sort of realism. It's just like this, all of a sudden there's this Kiwi guy going, what are you buggers doing on my planet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah there's, there's no, there's no awe. It's just, uh, there's some more shit we got to deal with. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. And another, like, uh, one moment that really speaks to me, uh, like you said, when it was, you know, a bunch of friends at work kind of getting together and being like, this weekend we'll come up with this idea. We'll try this out, see if what, what we can come up with. Uh, when the, the scene where the guy's hiding in the shed and the zombies or whatever they are take uh, take one of the other zombies and start using him as a battering ram, <laughs> it, just, it just screams to me like a bunch of guys got together, had some beers, and came up with a really hilarious idea to tear down that shed door. <laughs> and uh, there's tons well, of that. It's very much... It's very much a film that that I mean proudly wears its uh, cartoonish influences on its sleeve. Yes, I mean the, the most obvious uh, uh, shout out to like a Looney Tune or whatever that Jackson's calling back to is you know the uh, the, the census taker or, or you know the government man who finds himself knocked out by the aliens and wakes up literally in a pot of soup with an <laughs> apple taped over his mouth. <laughs> right. Like they just say, they straight say that he up should and be... image out of, out of some Warner Brothers cartoon from the 40s. 
Right. And then yeah, they have they, lines the aliens like, are literally soaking him in like herbs and spices and being <laughs> like, you're going to be for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then even having like a line where I think they say that he should be honored that he's the main course and things like that. It's very cartoonish. And uh, yeah. I love, I love that though. Like, especially, you know, even the, like the design of these, these aliens are, also comedic because it is kind of creepy the way that they look with this, these giant kind of distorted uh, heads that look like deformed in a way. And then, but then they also have the added details of like the, the, the two buttocks that are coming out of the jean pockets <laughs> and things like that. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you can never have just pure horror in this. It's, there's always some type of comedic aspect, even when it comes to the, the horrific creature design. Well, yeah, and, 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 and even even the violence in a way, even though it's you know it's it's sticky and and in some cases it can even hit you, it you know viscerally there is also always a sense of just like an over the top absurdity about it on every <laughs> level where it's yeah. so repulsive. Like they they clearly got so much joy out of just grossing people <laughs> out, and there's so many visual gags of you know like hammers crushing skulls and gushing blood and limbs being torn off, and it basically starts from the very first scene as jamie mentioned when he like shoots a dude's brain out there's one (laughs) there's one recurring gag in this film that just fucking it it freaked me out every time he did it even though it looks like incredibly fake but it's just so gross it's it's the bit where peter jackson's Derek, he in his sort of like uh the scene where he's trying to like torture the other Peter Jackson alien uh, <laughs> by like hammering nails into his foot and doing all those things. He gets up, ends up in a giant fight with the aliens where he's just like oozing them. At one point he shoves the Uzi through his chest and continues oozing other ones. Um, yep. But that scene ends with him falling off uh, one of the, those very beautiful New Zealand hills that you might've seen in Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> and instead he hits the bottom as a dummy, he splats everywhere, <laughs> but he doesn't die. And when when we come back to him, uh, his skull has opened up and his brain has been leaking out of the back of his head. And he just picks up the little chunks of goo of his brain. <laughs> he just, you know, opens up the skull flap a little bit. And he just sticks it back in there in the back of his head. His fingers are pressing it back in. And he's like, yep. all right, my my brain's back in there. And this joke keeps happening where every single time he gets hit, pieces of his brain keeps coming out. At one point he steps and slips in his own brain matter. That's fallen on the ground. And very late in the film, he actually chainsaws an alien head in half where you see the close up of the alien's face being split in half yeah. as the chainsaws come through it. And he actually takes that alien's brain and puts it into his own brain pouch. <laughs> yeah. And I love the added element of when he gets sick of uh, th- like that always spilling out. So he grabs his belt and then puts it around his head instead. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it, it's. <laughs> It, it, they do know how to uh, take one joke that that could get stale and kind of reform it and reshape it as the movie goes on. Because uh, for me, it never got like eye rolly. I was I was on board with every single evolution of the joke that they would that they would show us. No, for sure. And I, yeah. and I, I, and I do like that. It basically just takes like a really derivative zombie outbreak kind of like vocabulary to it of just like, Oh no, there's aliens, there's body snatchers, there's zombies. And all of a sudden, you know, we sort of have to, uh, 
figure out what's going on and kill them. And very slowly we are doled out the information that, you know, they are here to, you know, sort of eat humans and take, get test samples of the human taste for their fast food chain, uh, and then take them back into space. But they are just completely interrupted by just a bunch of dorks who are clearly just like childhood friends who just wanted an excuse to like gross people out. And that's a true behind the camera as well as, uh, with, with the characters pretty much. And I, I love sort of like moments like, subtle little gags that this all is just film filled with. And I think that he would expand upon with, with dead alive. But like, for example, when they realize that, you know, they are a government force and they are dealing with aliens and they're going to use violence and they're getting all the guns ready and stuff like that. And I think they put, they, they put the masks on and they're like, we need to cover our faces. And you're like, we have to remain faceless. He's like, Oh, I get it. In case we kill a bunch of innocent people, just making a joke out of like reminding you that these guys are technically in this story they are supposed to be like the fbi or the cia or something (laughs) because they don't really play that way they play as just a bunch of dudes who are friends um and so the fact that they can even recognize that in sort of like the limitations of their film that you wouldn't instantly recognize these guys as the cool guys in suits with sunglasses going in and shooting up a bunch of zombies. And um, and they, they just, they play it as another joke. And, uh, and speaking too on like the, the way that he crafts this movie, like two, two things jump out at me. One was that we mentioned the, the dummy that falls off the cliff and then splats onto the the ground and just kind of dissipates basically. But, uh, but before that, like the shot of the dummy hanging on and then letting go and initially falling actually looks pretty real for like the first few seconds before your brain like registers really how they did it and all that. But, uh, like I was just surprised that they were successful in that illusion with such a, such a budget. And then another really impressive thing was some, some slight stunt work that they did when it was those two zombies that had the sledgehammers. And they were kind of like uh, crashing them together, uh, and 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 very swiftly dodging headshots and stuff like that. And the way that it's cut together is is just really uh, coherent. Like you see every step that um, that he wants to take. And I I just found it very clear and concise. And the action is always like that throughout the movie. Like it, it feels very well storyboarded. If if that would be the case. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it, and it's one of those things too, where you can, I mean, you can tell they're not doing like the upside down and backward trick. Right. Or, you know, it's like, no, they're really swinging those, those, uh, those sledgehammers. And I mean, they're, they're obviously pulling their swings so that they can, you know, make the contact that they need to make. Right. But it's still like, oh, someone could get hurt with that. Uh, that that's exactly it. That's kind of the feeling I got at a certain point where I was like, they are slowing down a little bit, but I still felt like there was some, some genuine danger that could have occurred there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm surprised that neither of you have, met, have mentioned yet in, in that whole falling off the cliff scene, the best, the best punchline in that bit and probably the best punchline in the movie, which is, yeah, you see him fall. You see, you see him land. There's that huge splash of blood. You think, oh my God, he's dead. And then the movie cuts off and does, you know, does other things following the, the other members of the uh, alien defense uh, league and, you know, right. following the aliens around. And then at some point it wanders back to Derek who just, who wakes up and yeah. it turns out that wasn't his blood. 
He just landed on a bunch of seagulls? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you know what? I missed that. <laughs> you missed that? <laughs> yeah. I actually forgot about it. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, that yeah, that to- that that totally wasn't his blood. He just, oh my god. He, he That's seemed, such a good just joke. Washed a bunch of seagulls when he landed. <laughs> yeah, because I I, I remember that it cuts to a shot of a seagull in the air, but I did not realize actually that he had landed on like a seagull's nest, essentially. Yeah, it, it, it pans over and you can see like four or five seagulls just like squashed and quivering. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Good stuff. Which 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 is how the film gets gets around the hey, how did he survive that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know what? This is this is why um, I'll, I'll I'll be able to say this more about Dead Alive because it's actually my second or third time watching um, Dead Alive for the show. But this was my first time watching Bad Taste. And something I will say about both of these Peter Jackson films is that they are front to back loaded with small little visual gags, and you know yeah. they're 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 in the writing and they're in the performances, but they're also in the way that they shoot the film and the way that they stage the film. And there are ones that I missed on my first time watching Dead Alive that I caught like, you know, this time around that we're going to talk about. So mm-hmm. I, it, it, it is maybe a testament to Peter Jackson that on such limited money that there is like a constant sense of of creativity that someone is there, you know, not just lazily yeah. putting the camera anywhere, despite the fact that, you know, you would understand that in the context of the limitations that they have. But and- no, you can tell that this is a, a man with a visual sensibility like from the get-go even though you know he's you know working with a few thousand dollars and three buddies <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. Like, oh. you were mentioning that you know like there's basically there's not a lot of real script writing going on in here right it's kind of just like the aliens <laughs> come down the, the 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 friends get together they they kill them and and that yeah. but I found myself just constantly engaged uh, because of the great direction and the great visual gags that are in every single sequence of this movie. Like, it never lets up. There's never really a scene that's, uh, there's not a lot of downtime. And even when they have downtime, there's still some, like, some awesome visual gags, like the the one guy that's reading, like, Soldier of Fortune magazine and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So even on the downtime, you know, they're just talking in a car. There's still a lot of good comedic beats that are that are happening throughout it. So I found myself like like the first time I watched this movie, I was more in line of like the the three star area, and we're not getting to that yet, I guess. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I was kind of like I get what it's doing and and I enjoy it, but I didn't feel as in, as in engaged. Whereas this time mm-hmm. around, I was just letting myself enjoy all the visual gags, all the silliness, just the the complete wacky adventure that we're having here. And yeah, uh, and that's that's kind of why I ended up really liking it more this time around because it I love that vibe of just a bunch of friends getting together with some really good ideas uh, and and making a splatter uh, film with it. Well, and and the the passion to you know make something so gory and disgusting that you yourself think it's hilarious <laughs> and hopefully other people will too. Yeah, like that scene where they're just drinking the the vomit. Like I can't, <laughs> that I was literally gagging. Like I think it's the first movie that made me because we've had movies that make me kind of cringe or like oh like feel repulsed, but that one I was I was almost there. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's one in Dead Alive that really gets me too, but that vomit one in this one especially, especially because there's a, a physical comedy structure to it where like right. one of the guys is undercover as an alien and they're all <laughs> drinking the one alien Peter Jackson's vomit. Right. And, and in the background they're like it's chunky. The bowl. 
Yeah, <laughs> and 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 when everyone is slurping it so loudly, <laughs> and and he keeps running further back into the line so that he doesn't have to drink it, and eventually it gets to him, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And he he takes a drink, and the best gag is that he likes it, and he takes a second sip, and before yeah. the other people start taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's that. There, then there's the 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 real the button on the punchline when he goes back to his uh, to the other members of the squad, and he's like, "You'll never believe what I just had to do." And the the big muscular guy who was spying on him said, "Let me guess, you had to drink some Chuck." <laughs> <laughs> uh, another another good visual gag in that scene too is that he has the blue shirt on, which is what distinguishes the. I don't know why, but they just decide to wear blue shirts. That's like the alien laborers. Oh, yeah. blue shirt yeah. yeah. Um, but he has his giant like SWAT bulletproof vest underneath the shirt and it's like bulging through the shirt through that entire scene. <laughs> and then, like the, the buttons are just hanging on for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really it's, like I mean, that. that. That's one of the things that's enjoyable about that because I mean you you know, if you watch a lot of low budget cinema, you find a lot of films which are like, okay, we thought the basic idea. We're gonna do the basic idea, and if if there's any laughs, or if we're doing like a horror comedy here, like we're doing a zombie comedy, okay, it's gonna be oh yeah, so zombies can be funny, right? But you know, this is just like, what can we think of that's funny? Does it belong here? Probably not. Should we put it anyway? Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's, there's there's just like a like like right at the right at the end when they're you know they're um. Uh, fighting with the uh, with with the head alien, and they're firing off rockets to try and blow up the house. There's just a random cut to someone firing a rocket, and it misses and blows up a sheep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I, I actually read too that that the sheep was supposed to be involved in a few more scenes. Like it was supposed to be this kind of joke where the sheep just would show up and inconvenience them and be this kind of angry, <laughs> which is a really funny joke. But I also do love the fact that it turned into just like a one-off <laughs> gag of just one shot of a sheep getting blown up. Either of them worked for me. Uh, but yeah, that was great. Well, and, and, and also the way that he sets up the visual context for that too, where like, we've seen that rocket launcher go off like four times by that point. And yeah. the dude's having like a great time with it. He's like flipping the rockets in his hand. He's just shooting things. <laughs> he, he honestly doesn't even care what he's hitting. He's just so stoked to be shooting a rocket launcher. He's yeah. like, this is the best day of my life that I just get to fire a <laughs> rocket launcher as part of my job. I right love now. when he speed bags the, the head <laughs> alien when they just cut to him and he's like speed bagging, just punching the hell out of him. <laughs> great yeah well and and that that shot where he fires a rocket through the and he he shoots it through the window trying to hit the alien and it goes by the alien's head and then not only that it gets outside the house by going through the hole that um derek who is Peter Jackson, sort of like human character that he just made by running through the building in like a literal like Bugs Bunny type situation yeah. where like you run through like the wooden wall and it creates an exact figure of the shape yeah, that you just right. ran through. Yeah, That's what the rocket launcher goes through the second time before it goes and hits that sheep. <laughs> like it's like a perfect <laughs> storm of it. It doesn't make any sense. But but 
also, I don't know exactly. I think they might have put like the rocket like a, on some sort of string and just like put it through yeah. the the various holes. But like the way that they actually have the rocket even just move and to be able to capture like uh, like a pretty significant action beat like that on such yeah. little budget and it be convincing at all is kind of impressive. Absolutely. And I thought even like this, this whole ending sequence with the house was, was pretty genuinely impressive. Like the, the part where it shows the house kind of eating the grass. So like they're, they're getting consumed into the bottom of it and then the house lifting off and the smoke and the trees and all that. I, I thought that that was some really good special effects, especially knowing the very limited budget that they had. Like that, yeah, that, some, that house some, shot, some it must have been a miniature elements. or something. It was really cool. I liked it. Yeah, no, it, it, it looks cool. And, and so I would say uh, some of the gunfight elements get like a little aimless at a certain point because yeah, it's just, bit. it's just, you know, uh, obviously they don't have a whole lot of money to do these gun effects. So apparently they made a lot of these guns just sort of like by hand, like out of like plastic and stuff like that. Nice. And they did a lot of like the, the, the effects on that stuff sort of in post. And it's a lot of them just kind of like, uh, you know, sort of like shooting in the direction of the camera. And like, the, obviously they're not even using a, a prop gun. So like literally they said to make it look like they were shooting, they just had to like shake their hands a lot, <laughs> and you can, it, 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 which again delivers its own kind of low budget charm to it as, Absolutely. as well. Um, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, I did like too, that there's, there's a, at one point there's a, a part where he's like threatens to like mortal combat fight, like one of the aliens yeah. and the dude's like, Hey, hey stop, stop fucking with them. <laughs> just shoot them. Dude. Just kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the aliens themselves are actually kind of funny because th they start getting like really frustrated because they're just like okay these guys are just running in and they're just killing us and at one point they actually hold like a funeral inside the mansion and they're like today remember we remember our friends who were killed by some bloody arseholes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and that I think is as they're breaking into the house and they do what would become a Peter Jackson splatter staple where one of the alien guys sort of like comes in and they literally pull his head off and tear his entire spinal cord out with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very more yeah, combat too. Yeah. And they, and, and, and they, what's so funny about that bit is obviously there's blood getting everywhere because they've just pulled this dude's spinal cord out. And the one guy's trying to like mop it and he's like, quick mop it. Like someone could slip and die. in here. <laughs> <laughs> And then also, like, I mean, the and then the grand finale kill of the big boy, which is when the, the oh, one dude God. just dives with a chainsaw into the guy's... Peter Jackson. Oh, it is Peter. Right, right. Yeah. Dives into the guy's, into his mouth, through his ass, and then just is like, I'm born again. <laughs> it's just, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's... I Spectacular. I actually use that as a uh, jumping off point uh, in um, college to write a, a whole ass paper for a film class <laughs> about Peter Jackson's use of uh, Christian iconography. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's how I'd like to become a born again Christian. For I mean, sure. well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it in, in, in dead alive, especially, but he, he uses some Christianity and some rebirth in that one as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do, I do like that. Eventually this, this house takes off as a giant spaceship with sort of like the head 
alien inside of it. And at that point, they've sort of like American werewolf style, like transitioned into these like creepy little alien prosthetics that they've made, which then again, just kind of makes it even funnier that they're delivering this like very low brow, like New Zealand sense of humor at the same time. Um, but I really like like when he's in the spaceship and he's on the controls and he's calling back home and he's like, yeah, you know, these, these, they, these pricks killed our third class laborers or whatever, but I got some good samples. And then Peter Jackson falls from the top with a chainsaw tears right through him, comes out the other side. And he's like, I'm born again and I'm coming to get you bastards. As he just laughs maniacally traveling through Through a giant space house to kill presumably just the rest of whatever this fast food conglomerate is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Makes me, makes me want to see that sequel. For real. For real. Hey, just just an hour and a half of Peter Jackson destroying the entire planet that is the intergalactic whatever. Come on, come on, Jackson. Take, take, take a couple months off making your, you know, your historical documentaries now. And yes, uh, please. Make okay. it happen. Bad come taste back. too, baby. Come on now. Yeah, because like they, and then I love too, like the ending, just the dudes rock. Like you got the credits, they're smoking cigarettes. They pull up in that car with uh, with the with the Beatles cutouts that are driving it or whatever. Like it's just oh my god, all, oh, everything lo- about this movie is just so much fun. I, I had I had a blast. And that's another throwaway gag I love too, because when when Derek first um, finds that that automobile. And, you know, like uncovers it from wherever they've hidden it. And he starts driving it along and he finds one of the uh, an alien and he goes to run it over and just blood splatters all over the windshield. And it cuts <laughs> to those shots of the the sergeant, like the Sergeant Pepper Beatles cutouts in the in the front. And yeah. you get the shot of John Lennon looking at it like, hey, and Paul McCartney looking at it like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, it's great, and then they and then they drive off to rock music. Which more could you want? It's you know it's it, the best of the eighties, right there. Bad taste. <laughs> what it is? Uh, pivoting towards the uh, reductive rating round, uh, which Steve, you know what the reductive rating round is. You're all set Fine. to go. Um, for me, on my first watch here, this one's actually going to go with the with with the high three. I think for me, uh, mostly because I went into this having unfortunately seen Dead Alive first, and I kind of yeah. knew the 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 kind of like splatter Peter Jackson highs. So I watched kind of like his sort of test run film, which I think he was doing a lot of here in bad taste first. And I think there is a lot to like really like about this. And I think that, you know, in, in my review, I wrote that, you know, this entire film is basically just like a testament to how far the charm of, you know, just a couple of friends with the passion to make a hilariously disgusting movie <laughs> because they love Tom Savini gore effects so much. And, yeah. you know, a modicum of visual wit can carry you through, through, you know, something that very obviously had no script. They were, it was just a couple of dudes inventing things that they thought would be funny to put on screen. And there are some really incredible, like goopy, no budget gore effects that, you know, sort of like translate. And I do think that Peter Jackson like really shows off sort of his visual sensibility and his sense of humor and what he wanted to achieve 
you know, as a bit of a special effects artist uh, himself. And I think that this was like a really fun way to get into that. And I, I think that on rewatch, I could probably see this one upgrading for me, but it didn't help that I just was like, man, I saw what Peter Jackson could do with just a tiny bit more money. And yeah. it was so much fucking more insane. And I'm excited to get into it when we talk about the next one. But oh, that's cool. the only thing really holding it back was just that I I was like almost it's almost unfortunate because clearly this is a debut film and this is a really strong debut film. But I was like, man, what Peter Jackson would do with the sophomore would really just like take it to the stratosphere. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. uh, We'll get into that one next, but for you, Jamie. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm giving it the four this time, but I was in the same exact boat, like right on the same page with you. The first time I watched it, Uh, it was just, I, I, I believe it. I also watched brain dead first so I, I, mm. I saw what he could do with that kind of a budget and just um, uh, for me now, I'm just realizing like for this being a debut, knowing that he had almost no money to do it, you know, it, seeing all the limitations, but also seeing just the incredibly creative ways he found of kind of going around those limitations. is just very impressive to me. Uh, and I just love that. You know, I've always loved that punk rock attitude of do it yourself and not only do it yourself, but kind of throw up the middle finger. I mean, hey, the, the title poster has the alien just flipping everybody off. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just, it's, yep. it's bad taste, baby. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's pure trash. And I, I love every minute of it. So, yeah, this time around, I'm definitely giving it the, the four. Uh, but that being said, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to talking about Brain Dead Because what this movie does right, that movie does right just a thousand times more so it's uh yeah it's a four out of five for me yeah i'm uh i'm, I'm going with the four out of five as well it'd been a, a very long time since i'd last seen brain a uh, bad taste not brain dead i've seen brain dead like 30 times at this point <laughs> um but uh yeah it'd been a it'd been a really long time since i'd seen bad taste and i'd kind of forgotten how much it's not not just like the the basic tone is a dry run for what he would eventually do with brain dead it's like there, there are there are like literal gags that are lifted out exactly. of this. Exactly, the spinal cord gag, especially. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's 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 a great debut film. It's super energetic. It's super fun. It's like the uh, it, it's like the 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 ideal of what you want from from uh, it, uh, uh, basically a homemade horror movie comedy made for nothing over the course <laughs> of several weekends over the course of several years, yeah. it's about as good as you can get in those limitations. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for bad taste. Uh, 1987. We are going to be right back and we are going to be talking about, uh, brain dead or dead alive. Yeah. You can pray. You can plead. You can beg for mercy. But nothing you can do will stop. Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Pictures presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother ain't my girl! Dead Alive. Party's over. Ah! 
All right, we are back, and we are talking Brain Dead, or also known in the goddamn United States as <laughs> Dead Alive. Number one, baby. <laughs> I, I believe that is actually the name of our country now, the goddamn United States. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, Brain Dead is a 1992 New Zealand slapstick zombie comedy film directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, and uh, he does make an appearance very briefly. He doesn't uh, act quite as much as he did in Bad Taste, but he is in here as uh, the assistant to like the, the the mortician. Is it? Yes, he he plays the the assi- essentially the assistant embalmer, <laughs> and he gets he gets uh, yelled at the slap in the back of the head by the embalmer or slash mortician uh, for having let the embalming machine go on too long and nearly exploding the corpse of uh, Lionel's mother. <laughs> and then Good job, in, in attempting to clean up his mess, he uh, one of the throwaway gags that's really easy to miss in that. And I don't think I noticed it until God, like my fifth or sixth time through, but it's, it's a great gag. It's like, he's, you know, his boss, the mortician is, yeah, attempting to clean up his mess and his main focus is on the two sandwiches he left on top of the corpse. Yes. <laughs> and he grabs and his first concern is to run up and grab the sandwiches and take a bite out of one of them as it's covered in green goop. That's formaldehyde and body fluid and God knows what else. <laughs> well, that gag basically perfectly summarizes the film. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Brain dead, which, which opens as we all know, Peter Jackson is a huge fan of the original 1930s King Kong. And this film literally opens on Skull Island, the exact same island (laughs) that supposedly King Kong is from, where they are, uh, they find some sort of rat monkey hybrid uh, that, which, which apparently was formed from some sort of monkey raping Plague carrying rats is the sort of description the that they give. Slave ships came, and the yeah. giant rats got off the ships, and they raped all the little tree monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, of course, how we get the zombie infestation. Yes, yes. and so in, in, in 1957, we get that story, um, and one of the sort of uh, explorers and his team basically smuggle the rat monkey off of the island. But before they do, he uh, receives a scratch and a bite, and they are so terrified of what he might turn into based on that scratch and the bite that they basically dismember him and then kill him on site. So you know immediately that whatever this rat monkey is going to turn you into, it's scary enough that everyone who was looking for it immediately killed the one person who might have been infected. And then what do they do? They just sell it to the Wellington Zoo. Yeah, I also love how they they end up like anyway. killing the explorer too. It's it's like completely unnecessary. Like they could have just you know shot him, cut his head off, whatever. But they like individually Chop take off every off. limb and, yeah. then, and then smash <laughs> and him arm. in the face. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I also loved the gag where I think he shows like because because it's him and his assistant uh, uh, carrying the monkey in the cage, and the the tribe comes up. 
and he shows them like a permit for getting the monkey or whatever. And I just thought that that was like the funniest shit. Like that would mean anything to the tribe whatsoever. <laughs> it's just such a, such a funny little gag. And, and of course, <laughs> yeah. And of course too, they have uh, like Peter Jackson's once again, doing all these really uh, sweaty close up zooms on everybody's face and stuff like that. Some of the techniques you definitely see from, uh, from bad taste in this movie. Yeah, except it's it's clear uh, upgrading to I think like something like a three or four million dollar budget for this. Right. He probably he probably was able to secure a steady cam. He probably was <laughs> able to get you know some some film stock that looked nice. He was able to get some lighting and some crew going. You know, so there there is sort of like a notable upgrade in just the general production value. And what's interesting to me is that um, obviously Peter Jackson was also able to I think. Um, sort of for for me this film has just like less of a shaggy quality to it i guess like it's a little bit less aimless in the way that that first film was like it feels a little bit more he comes in he basically comes out swinging (laughs) and yeah he has a little bit of sort of like a, a a visual theme that he wants to rhyme through some of the body horror which we get to the end and there does feel like there's some sort of like cathartic release by the time you hit the end of the film that really does match the uh, bloodbath, okay, I, not even bloodbath, blood tsunami. That is the last thirty-five minutes <laughs> yeah, of this well film. Said. But I, I think that just like there is such a clarity to how fast this just like jumps you right into the rat monkey, and then how <laughs> fast we get introduced to what is sort of like this charming off-kilter like New Zealand rom-com about just like this young man named Lionel. He lives with his mom in New Zealand in her house and has a, 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 a vaguely creepy, abusive-ish sort of Norman Bates kind of relationship. But like yeah. Norman Bates's mom was like actually still alive and just yeah. fucking with him. Um, <laughs> and he decides that, you know, he he's meets this young Spanish uh, shopkeep um, who happens to think that because of this tarot card uh, that showed this star on it, that they are sort of destined to be together and they, you know, they have this little beat cute, they go on a little date and she really wants to go to the zoo. I and what's at that, that zoo? Bit. Oh what's my God. Zoo, she, she basically tricks him into asking her out. Yeah. By, yes. by pretending she doesn't speak English. She's so yes. like aggressively awesome. adorable. <laughs> like she's, because she does have that, she, she's so charming and sweet and, and innocent, but I do love that she's constantly kind of like taking charge in the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and I, I love that she gets him to say by trying to correct her English, no, 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 you, <laughs> want, you want to go to the zoo. Yeah. Yes, then, please. And, and, and then she's just like, okay, we're going to the zoo or will you ask me to go to the zoo? And it's, it's, it's very cute. Yes. And also, you know, like they're, they're just very adorable together and he's very dorky. He's got his big like sweater vest on and he's got his comb he's over nervous all the time. He's always kind of like shaky and anxiety ridden and all that. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that like Peter Jackson, I think a big reason that this kind of, works for me a little bit over bad taste of that there there just is that over uh sort of underneath it all there is like this kind of very sweet romantic quality which sounds really yeah. funny to say in like a <laughs> what turns into a absolute disgusting splatter fest 
but like that that romance somehow is just always there and it's all you always kind of like feel it and you do feel a little bit too because peter jackson is very clearly just like he has a very romantic vibe towards you know the the act of making these kinds of films he as we saw in bad taste it is a passion project for him and his friends so to see him just lovingly get to make something like this and then also infuse it with a little bit of like a romantic quality i think that that really carries me through especially the early scenes in this film which i read on some people and some people kind of seem to find it like it it takes a little while to get going Mm. but for me i I really didn't feel that i really felt like this was really focused um and and it it does get into the craziness like really fast like within 10 minutes they're on this date to the zoo and that monkey at on that zoo date has already bitten his mother and his mother has already squished its fucking brains out of its eye sockets and we see that rat monkey like rip the arm off of another ape and stuff like that like you know it's it 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 goes into into fifth gear i think pretty soon yeah and and, and that one guy who comes up and he's just like i think that monk that that monkey was uh used to suck the blood of the virgins use them in your rituals and stuff you know yeah like so casually he's holding the monkey corpse and it's dripping on paquita's shoes and Oh. <laughs> but I, I think uh, I, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that uh, I mean, you know, obviously we're we're not seeing it in a vacuum. Uh, yeah, the I mean, the film's been around for God knows how long now, and anyone who knows about it knows. Oh my God, it's the goriest movie ever. So it's true, right? You know, you 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 put on something like that, you expect it to kind of kick off just like whoa, and it. <laughs> takes it takes this you know this little 20 minute block right up front to actually pay attention to its characters and, <laughs> god and forbid build, and you know <laughs> build a build a relationship that even though it's doing that in with the same like tight compressed economy that it's that it eventually gets to with the zombie action oh yes but it's, so it's you know if you're if you're coming to it the first time around it does it could seem a bit like okay when are we going to get to the fireworks factory yeah <laughs> <laughs> right but on repeat viewings, it's like, Jesus, they, th- this thing's a rocket. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely felt that on 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 the rewatch, too, where it's just like this movie really does move. And you do and you do feel like Jackson has taken his sort of visual sensibility and just kind of like almost cleaned it up and, and not even polish it because this movie is still absolutely filthy. It's still like incredibly repulsive and textured, but just as like a piece of filmmaking, you can feel that Peter Jackson has just gotten really like even stronger as an actual director. Um, but you know, without losing any of that sense of humor, any of that sense of absolutely horrible taste (laughs) (laughs) that we love. Oh, and, I just think it's it's real it's really interesting in that in how much bodily destruction there is in this film. The single grossest thing still happens not even half an hour into the film. Okay, and it's, it's what is that it's for absolutely you? A, it's absolutely a, gaunt, a gauntlet being thrown down. Like, oh, we're not messing around here. But no, you know what I'm talking about. The custard. Ah, uh, yeah, that's the, I. That's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't want to jump the gun. You know, who knows? Damn, but that is custard. Oh god, <laughs> it's just, and it's like that that shot of the close up of the custard and the and the blood squirt just popping into there, just just, and then and then the subtle the subtle red streak. Like there's not even a lot. That's the thing. It's like a subtle red streak in a spoonful of custard, 
and it's yep. just enough to 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 make you gag, just like you did with uh, with bad taste in the in the yeah. the vomit drinking scene. It's just uh, <laughs> unbelievable what Peter Jackson comes up with. <laughs> well, and, and and it's so funny how fast from his mom being bitten, and then he has to obviously take care. Lionel has to take care of his mom at home, and how fast she begins falling apart, her face oh peeling off. There's 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 like there's like a, yeah. a, there's like a moving worm looking thing like inside <laughs> of her wound, I and love she, it he, he's basically gluing his mother right. back yeah. together I was so just that she can say you know, that one. The, well, that, the super I, well, glue and there's such. Scan is just such incredible. a wonderful throwaway character moment in there where it shows like it, no matter no matter how frustrated he is with his mother, like he still cares and he still wants her to, you know, do well when he's putting the glue stick on the on the, the thing. He's like he, he tells her, don't move. It'll stick on crooked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to make you look good. <laughs> You're going to look great after this. Don't worry. I'll fix you right up. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, that and then obviously they there's there's the blood and the custard. There's the mother eating her own ear, which has fallen off and, her head. And it's and kind of like custard. it's also kind of like showing you what you're about to see, but on a on a much larger scale in the future. Because right now we're just watching one body kind of deteriorate and fall apart, and then eventually yeah. we get to like hundreds of bodies deteriorating and falling apart before our very eyes. So I do yeah. like that they have this very kind of intimate dinner scene that shows and establishes the gore and the body horror and then just ramps it up in the finale uh, with just literally like 30 minutes of nonstop gore and blood and pus and everything else. And to how Peter Jackson just revels in shoving your fucking face into it. Yes. Like, 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 not only does that man eat the bloody custard, he has to go, mmm, rich and creamy, just the way that I like And he does those really odd close-ups again that make you feel uneasy just by themselves. So now you have the man eating pus custard, and it's just like, oh, my God. And yeah, then Lionel, uh, Lionel's mom, uh, I think named Vera, she eats... Yep. Uh, yeah, she eats this, uh, the young woman's dog and Lionel has to pull like a giant, like 10 pound hairball <laughs> out of his mother's fucking esophagus. It's not a hairball. It's the no, dog's leg. Oh, it's, it's, it's the whole leg because I saw the pieces that lie it's, on the bed because that's no, one of the better like written gags where, where she goes, your mother ate my dog. And he says, not all of it. And he looks over to the bed, and there's just chunks and pieces of the dog all over yep. the bed. <laughs> and it's it, it is disgusting too. Like like it's it's amazing that they somehow made it a comedic gag of a dog just getting ripped to shreds, and then you see yeah. the entire thing on the bed, like gore and all. You know, it's just wow. And- well, and, 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 and I love too how absurd it gets because he pulls the hair out of his mother and then his mother uh, falls down the stairs and he goes and picks her up and you know the nurse comes in and is like your mother's dead Lionel and I'm like dude you just pulled a dog's leg out of her esophagus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's pretty dead dude I'm sorry man and he's like he's genuinely upset about it because you know he has a very special relationship with his mother that's set up in, in the early scenes where you know she kind of seems to be taking advantage of him but there you know there is some sort of he you cares. know he really he, 
he does love her. He does, you yeah. know, uh, you know, despite the fact that she is, you know, a bit domineering and 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 controlling. And this does eventually, you know, become kind of uh, a, a romance movie about a ma or a man becoming disentangled from <laughs> his own mother yeah. in a very, very literal physical sense, which is why it's so funny, too, when um I think it's the the girlfriend at one point says, "But we are becoming romantically, romantically entangled." entangled. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so he he's got to uh, disentangle from his mother before he can pursue that, and the rest of this movie is that very very bloody tearing disentanglement. Yeah, it's yeah. A, you know, there there might be a metaphor there. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps some, some, someone someone could write about that. I feel like you know someone out there. I also um, like, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, no, 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 the no. fact that they're uh, like also not afraid to to have this live baby that goes around and it's like <laughs> oh an absolute God. insane thing that just it, like laughs maniacally. It actually the the way that it laughs and and its its mannerisms kind of reminded me of that creature in Return of the Jedi that laughs. Uh, beside Jabba or whatever, it's just a very, very <laughs> manic laughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, they have everything from like the classic, you know, baby in a blender joke to like them <laughs> euthanizing the baby, and and like it's just absolute craziness. Some of the stuff that they are able to to pull off and still actually make funny. Um, the ba- the baby kicks a man in the balls with a severed leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's no. The, the um the, the 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 bit where they um where Lionel takes him to the park, I think was the last Amazing. thing shot. Uh, they just I I I know I've read about this before, but they had some I think they had some extra money left over, and they they needed to add something more to the film, so okay. they just went out and shot it. And it, you know, it's it, trying to explain this to people is like, oh yeah, it has child abuse jokes in it, but they're actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, man. Uh, and one of the, one of the, the one of the two women on the bench at the end, the the younger one in the floral print dress, that's Fran Walsh, um, Peter Jackson's wife and co-writer. Oh wow. yeah, I see her as a screenplay credit. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I just love like she's just watching him beat the shit out of that child, like holding him by the <laughs> legs and like hitting him with a pole and stuff like that. Just, just <laughs> oh my god. And, oh, and the and and the the, the punchline on that is great hyperactive (laughs) (laughs) that would that would very much describe uh peter jackson and his filmmaking at this point too here absolutely but but yeah Yeah. that 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 scene is is so amazing because like the baby he's just trying to like replicate like you know sort of like the mom who's sitting next to him at the park with the carriage and his baby keeps just like his his zombie baby keeps just like (laughs) messing with him and eventually it flies down the hill (laughs) onto a seesaw where it launches in the air and it's trying to like attack children. So he literally like grabs it and starts like bashing its head on like a swing set. He's right. smashing it on the ground. He's stomping it. He's clotheslining the baby. Uh, at a certain point, he just stuffs it into a bag. And even though it's locked in the bag, he's still like punching the bag. Like it's a fucking, <laughs> like it's a literal like boxing punching bag. <laughs> oh, man. And, 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 and that's not even to get into the craziness of where this baby fucking came from. <laughs> which is is, okay so so his his mom is turning into a zombie he tries locking her in the basement there's a there there's a i do like that the first like half 
of this film is literally just sort of like a slapstick movie about a guy trying to like deny that the zombie apocalypse outbreak is happening right now. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's basically like, and, 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 but doing it also in a way that's like very adorable, like doing it in a way where he almost wants to like help them. Cause he's not trying to kill the zombies. He's not trying to, he's basically just like, that's my mother. I have an attachment to her. I got to take care of her. She's hurt. She's sick. She's rotting, but she's not really dead. You know, she's, she's kind of alive. Right. Um, <laughs> and slowly his mother, you know, in a, in a series of, you know, again, scenes that Peter Jackson just can't help, but make as disgusting as possible. Like we mentioned her getting the embalming fluid put out and just having like goo literally pop her eyes out until the undertaker comes up and like pushes them back in. Um, <laughs> at, at a certain point, she's getting so animated that he actually has to tranquilize her with animal tranquilizers, which he, he gets from a, a, a Nazi doctor, which is just <laughs> yeah. like a gag that we never return to. <laughs> a complete throwaway. It's yeah. so strange. Like he even has to make that character gross too, because like the like he does these close-ups on him as well, and he's always drooling from his mouth for no reason, and just like yeah. like it's it, everything in this movie has to be has to have some hint of gross factor, something that's that feels like you could reach out and and touch it in the worst possible way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. and the thing about the thing about Jackson's close-ups, and uh, I, I was really kind of paying attention to this, the, this my, my last time through this, is the framing feels wrong. Like he's pulled in just yeah. a little too far. Like people's chins are always cut off. Yeah. And like, like it, it feels like you you need him to just pull back just a touch so that it's more comfortable. And yeah, yeah. It, I I think that you know that that definitely contributes to the fact that this is like. Eh. <laughs> Yeah, there is like, a really cut, discomforting cut something else. <laughs> yeah, there is a really discomforting feeling just to the way that he films, you know, normal sequences such as that doctor drooling and things like that. Like, you know, it's just two people talking, but it's it always feels disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he's also yeah. exp- I mean, he's experimenting on something. Yeah. And again, I've yeah. seen the film so many times. And I have no idea what that is on his table. <laughs> and I have no idea what he's doing to it. Yeah, for real. He's got something probed into it, and there it's furry, and that's all I know. Maybe he's he's also experimenting with uh, resurrection because that that ends up being like sort of a there's there's uh, the funeral for the mother where, you know, sort of like the priest gets up and is like, the Christian spirit is eternal. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's cross-cut in a montage with him fighting his actual <laughs> zombie mother. Yeah. And then the zombie mother is, like, all gooped up. She's, like, breaking down. And they burst through sort of, like, the room just as he delivers sort of, like, the end of his speech where he says, those, whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall be resurrected <laughs> yeah and then he comes through on top of his you know yep. gooey dead mother and someone just says dreadfully attached to his mother is <laughs> <laughs> but then you get a, a cemetery action scene with a bunch of with a gang oh, of leather like jackets slick bros yeah. who every single one of them has an entire bottle of vodka or whiskey that they keep just like hammering <laughs> back while they're talking to him uh, one of them pisses on his mother's grave and he's like that's that's my mother's grave you're pissing on. <laughs> yeah. And then that guy uh, gets uh, gets instant karma with the mother just coming out, grabbing that dick and 
doing yeah. something to yep. it. Right by the wiener. And she, yeah, just shreds his torso till a pulp so you can see his fucking rib cage. Yeah, so yet another and, resurrection, which starts a whole other zombie violent sequence. Well, see, and, and that's just it, is that this actually kickstarts the actual apocalypse where, right, like, right. you know, his mother starts infecting other people. Like, the priest comes out and is like, what in God's name is happening out here? And he's and they, he, he sees oh. the zombies and he's just like, the devil is amongst us. This calls for divine intervention. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I can gasp for the if Lord! You, if you have no idea what's coming, the first time you go through this movie and he just suddenly turns into a kung fu priest. Oh <laughs> my God. I lost like, my mind. Yeah. I, I saw this film when I was, I want to say 14 or 15. And like, that seems like the age to see it. I wish I saw it when I was 14 it, or 15, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ba- basically for me, cinema is Bresson's a man escaped and then dead alive and everything else can fuck off. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, no, like this, this thing literally rewired me. Like, I think I watched it like three times in 70, 72 hours. Like I, like the, I and, kick ass for the Lord line is one of the funniest yeah. things that I've ever seen in a comedy horror movie, any movie. Like I having a priest kick zombie ass and scream, I kick ass for the Lord. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's at the top of my comedy list. That is so fucking funny. I can't even believe that it's in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and he starts tearing zombie arms off he's oh yeah at one at, at one point Jesus, he, baby. He, he locks one of the dude's like arms with his leg and just yep. repeatedly kicks him in the head over and over and over again <laughs> until literally he kicks one of the bodies in half and then punts one of their heads off and that oh. head flying in the air eventually comes back down and the head the decapitated head yeah is what bites him and infects him uh, before he is literally sort of like he, he misses like a giant sort of like drop kick that he's trying to pull off and he ends up impaling himself on a statue. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I also love about this movie too, is like the way that they use each individual body part as something that the zombies can still control. Like I, I think at one point, like we have that scene with the priest that has the, the head that flies in the air and then bites him. And then later on in the house, in the, 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 finale sequence yeah, uh, there's, we there's have like someone, legs walking around on their yeah, own <laughs> there's a guy with only half a head uh, much like like the way that the guy's head got cut off in uh, bad taste at the beginning his upper yep. half of his head is just like sliding around the house like trying to bite people and shit like it's just yeah, yeah, at, absolute at, insanity. at one point there's just a dude's like innards Yes. Oh, yeah, his, his digestive system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it like it looks at itself in the mirror and has like a <laughs> like an epiphany of some kind, like a self actualization. It's it's like, it's oh, deep, I'm man. So pretty. <laughs> yeah. And and, and and all of this too is this is w- making our way back to the to the baby. It's that priest who's the father of the baby, right? Yep. Right, right, yeah. right. Because because he's at, at this point. Lionel's mom has turned, you know, like four or five different people in the community into zombies. And Lionel has taken it upon himself to just like basically take care of them. There's a dinner scene that replicates the custard dinner scene where he's basically just trying to feed the zombies. And it just turns into this slapstick scene where like uh, the one woman who has had her uh, Lionel 
Lionel's mom actually snapped and ripped part of her neck on and it's neck off and it's just holding on by like a thread of skin. Yeah. And so basically yeah. when she's eating and stuff's going down her throat, it's just spilling out and not actually going into her body. It's just coming out of her neck. And <laughs> so Lionel has to go over and actually basically grab food and just send it right down her neck. He just pulls her head back and starts stuffing it into her gushing, you know, bloody neck. Meanwhile, the dude sitting across from her is trying to eat something with a spoon. And he shoves the spoon through the his oh. throat out the back of his head and the best gag in this is that obviously it's absolutely disgusting and the, the gore effects and the textured makeup is fucking unbelievable but so Lionel's mom stealing the food from the, the spoon and shoving it in her own mouth because that's just who she is as a person especially as a zombie yeah. but that dude he that zombie you feel bad for him he's upset he's like dude this he's spoon crying. went through my throat he's, <laughs> yeah. he's literally crying he's like I want to eat the food so bad and Lionel's mom is reaching out the back of his neck and literally stealing it off of his spoon so he can't eat it oh my god it's amazing. And I love also how he uses like that nurse, for instance, the first time that we see her uh, have that like head moment where her head kind of goes behind her back because it's barely hanging on by the skin of her neck. Uh, yeah. He does that multiple times throughout the film. So it's already a funny and kind of like insane gag at the first time you see it. But then he finds ways once again to like just keep showing that to you Use because it, she yeah. pops up a lot throughout this film. Keep like there's that and then there's the dinner scene. And I think she even pops up a couple times during the big uh, finale blood yeah. fest. So it's, yeah, uh, there's even some visual inventiveness to it too, because there's actually when it first happens and her head first gets knocked backwards and she's like walking towards him zombie like yep. with, her head facing the other way. There's actually an upside down POV shot of Lionel from her upside down yep. hanging head. And it actually right. like sort of like handheld rocks back and forth and stuff like that. Oh my God. So yeah. he, he finds all kinds of ways to just get you very, I want to say the word is sort of like intimate. There's like this weird sort of visual yeah. intimacy in the way that he gets you into it, but it's just the, it's, the subject matter, it's just something you would not want to be intimate with. It is something you would not want to be in that close proximity to or, you know, in a POV shot of or in, you know, or just even close ups of the the makeup itself. Like, it's just things you don't want to see. And Peter Jackson is like, how best can I make you see this and can I rub your nose in it, basically? Yeah. Well, so that's thing, there's, al there's also um, a, a level where it's just, well... Uh, what about the situation haven't we thought of yet? What can we do with it? Well, yeah. I mean, if her head fell off, what would it look like when, when she was looking at someone? Right, right. <laughs> How would she eat? You know, it's it's just the, this 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 entire chain of like, well, have we considered every single possible angle that we can get to on this situation? What, yeah. What what about what about horny zombies? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. zombies sex. that straight can up are fucking. Yeah, exactly, and they're and they're like passionate about it too. You hear them in the other room, like they're going at it. It's it's there's love in the air. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Lionel, Lionel's uncle Leslie, who basically looks like a cartoon mayor of like Whoville or something. <laughs> uh, he he comes in and and he's so repulsive. And the way that he hears those sex noises from the other room. And he's just like, oh, you found your dad's uh, stag videos, huh? Huh? <laughs> and, and, and he's like, I, I, is that the one with the woman in the donkey? 
<laughs> like it's a well-known one too. I love it. It's like, that's that one, right? <laughs> so, so, so even, even though we're already grossed out by hearing zombie sex, somehow this this character just has to make it even grosser. And that is before Lionel eventually getting rid of him because his uncle is basically just there to discuss, you know, uh, inheritance and maybe taking over the and house. And have like an orgy, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, when Lionel goes in and he sees the zombies having sex, he's like, hey, get, get off, get off. And he literally... <laughs> has to pull them from each other and yeah. the the woman is literally biting the priest's lips and the, <laughs> the, the lips and entire face starts stretching as Lionel <laughs> is literally pulling this man like the priest off and literally tears them out. So his lips and all of his teeth are basically just like exposed for the rest of the film. And of course they have like a reaction shot from the priest and realizing that his lips are gone and all that. So it's like it's it's and I also love that the uh, that the bodies in this movie, like the zombie bodies, are so weak. It seems like any, like with the slightest pull, the limbs just fly off. So because of that, you you constantly have just just limbs flying everywhere, body parts, you know, the spoon going through the neck, things like that. Yeah. Like it, it's it's not the it's not in the case where it feels like the bodies you know require a lot to to be destroyed. It's it's like a matter of someone punching a face and the head will fly off. It's, yeah. it's that kind of physics. And I love that too. It really just adds but to the, the gore effect and all that. And, and a, but if, it, that, that's kind of compensation for the fact that these are not Romero zombies. It's not like, Oh, you can right, shoot them in right. the head. They're done. It's yeah. like, no, you, ha- you have to basically pulp them. <laughs> yes. They have to be nothing. They just, they yeah. can't exist anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which, which by the way, it does do as the uncle finally like blackmails Lionel um, for what the uncle presumes is like a weird necrophilia fetish that he has because he's just <laughs> storing a bunch of dead bodies in his basement. Um, but really, you know, Lionel just being sweet is just trying to take care of all of these things that aren't quite as he describes them. They're not dead exactly. They're just rotting. And I'm trying <laughs> to to just just help them, you know. And uh, eventually he is convinced to poison them because obviously they are in like this, you know, this half resurrected state that, you know, is, is very right. unnatural. Yeah, we kind of get that scene where it's like, it's not your real mother. You can kill exactly. her. So, yeah, that exactly. Yeah, exactly. But Lionel, just being the absolute brain genius that he is, <laughs> he doesn't poison them, actually. He fills them with animal stimulants, <laughs> which animates <laughs> them even further, <laughs> which just sends us Especially into, uh, Big Mama literally a half hour of nonstop cartoon gore mayhem of just pure bodily destruction as the infection spreads to the entire party that the uncle is, is hosting. And I mean, I literally, we literally probably could not name every gore gag that ends up happening. No, in this it, would, it would require an entire episode just to like go through each gore gag. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I took a couple notes, but this one, it opens with a man's entire rib cage being pulled out of his body. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the second one, a man's face is literally just stripped Worn clean off. off. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, that, and that, that has, uh, there's three instances of it, and I, I, I wrote about this on my, uh, my alt uh, b- 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 Twitter feed, uh, Shots of Anarchy, but... There's three points in the film, and the, sh- the face being pulled off is one of them, where Jackson's low-budget ingenuity really shines through in as much as he needs to achieve a gore gag, but he has to get a cut in. But he doesn't <laughs> want to show the cut. 
So he just waves a hand in front of the camera <laughs> to hide the cut. That's amazing. King. King. It's like, how can we do this? Well, I could stick my hand in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, you sure could, couldn't you? You think anybody would notice? They might. Will it matter? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We got a guy being deteriorated from a lawnmower in this movie. It won't matter. We, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be. Honest, I gotta be. I gotta say, I was more distracted by um, the dude who basically gets his wrists slit clean off until his hand is like a just a dismembered functioning hand, <laughs> and it starts picking Lionel's nose. Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! And I also love their like the difference between. So we have a scene where, for instance, it's it's almost. Uh, like comedic where we have a scene where a guy has a full upper body, but then his entire lower torso is just skeleton. So it almost feels cartoonish. You know what I mean? Like it it feels like that moment where a cartoon, like the piranhas would attack only his legs. So now he only has skeleton there, but his entire upper body is okay. It's kind of that vibe. There's a dude whose legs are definitely stripped to the bone and you (laughs) get to see all of it, but rendered in like complete cartoon gore effects. Right. Uh, You also see a zombie punch a woman through the back of the head until his his fist comes out her mouth towards right. the camera <laughs> and then yep. and then they do things that aren't as like uh, uh comedic like they do the the uncle for instance he ends up looking like a like a spinal monster from the thing or something like that like they they go everywhere in this like it's just it's unbelievable the amount of of creativity that comes from just the body horror itself it's yeah impressive as hell <laughs> Yeah, and, and and it's and it's nonstop. It it literally yeah, it is, is just like one after another, like absolute repulsive gore, but also gags. So you you get a sense that like you know, um, I, in in trying to sort of like contextualize this, the only thing that I could compare it to was something like sort of the sort of like animated horror qualities of something like Reanimator. Um, yeah, yeah, some, for sure. Uh, where where you get that quality where it's 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 still freaking you out because it's kind of gross and it's very textured and it and and you can feel it and and it's terrible but at the same time the people have such an animated sense of humor about it that that you're watching it the difference is, is that this is like cranked up to like 12. This is like yeah. like it, the speed at which it moves and the fact that he could actually make any sort of visual sense out of watching this mayhem is actually just incredibly impressive. And, th- and that should lend itself a little bit to just, again, Peter Jackson choosing a lot of his shots very carefully and holding shots and moving with a steady cam like through the carnage and having very clearly, you know, a, a convincing makeup team and a very well sort of established set. So like the fact that I don't feel like I get overly lost, like where am I in the house even somehow, yeah. despite the fact that this moves so fast, it goes through so many places is, is honestly pretty astounding and that it just finds so many, like more ways than any other movie for grounding up human bodies into paste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and not uh, to mention like well, the fact knives, that they have pitchforks, pliers, <laughs> garden shears, blenders. Yeah. When when well, that when that getting back to the something, uh, teeth with the pliers. Oh. oh yeah, they have close-ups of the teeth pulling too, and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. He does well, it twice. First, getting back to something. Getting back to something Jamie brought up earlier about how fragile the zombies apparently are it's mm-hmm. during the you know during the whole shenanigans at the end where you 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 literally have a gag where lionel gets a hold of a zombie and swings 
on you know, swings on a light cord to save Paquita. And like he, the zombie he has flies off the stairs and lands on the ground and just literally explodes piece by piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think he but, also uses like, I was talking about the spinal monster that the, the that the uncle yeah. becomes. I'm pretty sure he takes like the spine from that uncle again and smashes his head off something too. Like there's yes. just some absolute. Nikita no, uh, does that. She, gra- she, okay, okay. she, she grabs him, spits in his face, rips his spine off and smashes his head on the counter. <laughs> it's, oh my God. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um, and to not this, like, this is where oh, I have to ask, um, you guys, wh- how long was the cut you guys saw? 97 minutes. Yes, I believe so. Okay. okay because here's the thing. That last sequence moves so fast, you don't realize that you never see Nurse McTavish or Father Magruder die. That's oh shit! Yeah, I guess you don't. Those are those are in the British cut, and they were cut out for the American version. Interesting. Is that just for oh. time? Like they wanted to keep it a yeah. A, it was a more, a, okay. Well, what uh, apparently what happened is um uh, uh, Jackson had shot the the film, and. Uh, uh, in prepping it for, I guess, some film festivals or something, he decided to cut it down a little more to make it a little tighter. And that's one of the things that got lost. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the deaths of, uh, Magruder and McTavish who are apparently destroyed by the lawnmower while still having sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want that to be in there so bad. Damn. I got to see that version. But the thing is the movie moves so quickly that you don't even realize they, that you never see them get killed. That's true. Yeah, it's true. I didn't until notice it's at all. Pointed out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this well, is and, the moment I'm realizing it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and and I, I think that does speak to Peter Jackson's like sense of economy that he does have yeah. here, despite the fact that you would think this is 30 minutes of nonstop gore, murder, absolute like insanity, and like obviously it's incredibly insur- absurd and incredibly indulgent, but somehow the filmmaking is not <laughs> somehow. I know. <laughs> It's it's so just so economical. The camera's always where it needs to be, just at every moment. And, and I love just- I love too that it's like you could have like like we haven't even gotten to the you know like the final ten minutes, which I guess we can speak on now. It's like yeah. you have this crazy front foyer tsunami of destruction, uh, like zombie destruction, and that could have easily been your finale, and we could have been super satisfied with that and just moved on and been like, Peter Jackson, you're the man, awesome. But no. No, no, Jamie, Jamie, you don't understand. I needed to see a Spanish woman (laughs) punch a baby through a window into a man's balls. Exactly. <laughs> and Peter Jackson knows what we want. He knows what the people need. And it's it's just incredible that he he does this in, incredibly insane finale and then has the balls to reanimate the mother as this like 50-foot giant big-tittied like uh <laughs> like monster that wants to kill the girlfriend because she keeps calling her like a slut and then and then the 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 son has to, you know, take charge and be like, no mom, I'm going to have my girlfriend. <laughs> it's just like, it's insane. I like he, he, there's no way he needed to do that. He's killed the mother off like three times in this movie already. And, uh, it's, 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 it's great. <laughs> I just, what a, what a man. Yeah. Just, uh, she's just like this giant spitting image doll that that's gone feral. And it's, yeah. Uh, it's great. And then you have the big rooftop finale where they're like battling on the roof of the house. And it's it's absolute craziness. 
and uh, yeah, and and, and, like, and his and his repressed it. memories of his mother murdering his father because he oh, you know, yeah. she had always told right. him the story about how his father had drowned trying to save him, which was meant to make him feel bad and to want to you know be closer to his mother. But then it, on this whole experience of his mother clearly like unleashing all of her rage into the entire community and the way that she's done has unlocked, you know, this memory of, of, of being a kid and watching her mother, you know, be a monster and, and, and kill um, her father and presumably like his father's well, there, girlfriend who well, there's supposedly. Also the, the, there's also the bit where uh, he, when he, after uh, he runs into the void zombie and cuts it in half and the guts fall out, uh, he climbs into the attic and he finds the photographs of his, uh, his uh, father and his father's girlfriend and then the corpse of his father's girlfriend is up there in the trunk. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's presumably what his girlfriend reminded his mother of. So his yes. mother was trying to obviously sort of, you know, s- snuff that out. But Lionel decides that he's going to, uh, you know, he's he's not going to listen to his mother anymore. He's going to he's gonna cut that umbilical cord off, that metaphorical <laughs> umbilical cord that turns into a very literal uh, umbilical cord as Ooh, come boy. to mommy. Uh, Lionel, um, and no one will ever love you like your mother. And she literally absorbs him back into, into the womb, baby. Giant zombie yeah. womb that he has to chop his way out of, and is reborn in the exact same way that Peter Jackson was reborn at the end of Bad Taste. Only he literally came out of his own mother's womb. So he's got some sort of Christian mommy issues going on here. And he Don't know what's like- going on. In- Jay's past there. He also well, seems you, to have this I mean, idea have of seen, like. Have you seen the Frighteners? No, I watch listed that after this though. Is, is that is, is that is that more? Can can we can we therapize Peter Jackson? The, the purest expression of that sort of you know I die, I I live I die I live again sort of philosophy. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, it's I I find it funny that we have like two examples too that the whole like the born again thing. He he like literalizes it in a, in such a physicality. Like we have to watch two people in in two different movies go through a human body uh, to be like like officially <laughs> literally born again. And I I, yep. I love that Peter Jackson just has to throw that in there. Well, yeah, and um, and, and not to mention surrounded by like the most insanely elaborate and visualized like death montage that you've ever seen (laughs) like talk about death and life and death and life again you know like like there's again this is this this is a movie where this man spends a good part of the climactic set piece being chased around by just guts and and intestines (laughs) that are like (laughs) farting and while they're chasing him around uh there's there's like you know, at one point there's a man who gets decapitated and then he gets like roll pressed and flattened out yep. until his guts entirely like spew out like stuffing in a turkey or something. <laughs> but you're the best part. He has a, he has a, a garden gnome on his head. Right. Because <laughs> Uncle Les attacks him with a garden gnome and sticks it in his, uh, in his neck stump. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god! Uh, Unbelievable, and and again, the lawnmower where he's just literally shredding one after another into just this chunky liquid paste. Where they said that honestly, 
at at that point they with the lawnmower scene they were spewing out five gallons of fake blood basically per second onto that set while they were doing it and the reason that this is uh this has the claim to the goriest movie ever made uh because i don't think anyone has really come up with the exact qualifications for you know what that necessarily is or means Quantity, but they assume this that might this, have it yeah <laughs> well yeah well they, they assume that this one holds the record because most of the time what they use to judge that is actually just amount of fake blood used on a film. Okay. Um, and this one apparently used 300 plus liters. Wow. Uh, in the final set piece alone. Holy shit. So that's not counting all the stuff prior. That's nuts. No. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's they, gotta be quantity wise. And it's on definitely. screen. It's all on the screen, baby. Yeah, they even have like a wide shot of him standing in the front foyer, just with the like, j- just the aftermath, and it, it, it's it's chaos, and and there's just liquids everywhere, not just blood, but <laughs> all types of bodily liquids. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we missed it. One one uh, particular zombie kill, maybe before we head into the reductive rating round. If there's one that we didn't hit, you can mention. I sure. loved the woman who gets the the lamp light bulb stuffed into her face oh. and then it, it, it literally lights up all her skin orange and not only that it is used as a secondary gag in a later action set piece where uh, when Paquita is is fighting off um, the baby and also fighting off you know a, a couple other people trying to protect the the one woman at the house party um, that woman's face later catches on fire because presumably that light bulb has been touching her skin and in her face for, you know, probably like 15 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's just been slowly about to catch on fire that entire time. And eventually we do in the background of an action scene, get to actually see it light on fire. And I was like, what a great little tiny gag that you, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. They, they, that you really have to be like, kind of like looking for, like it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing. But, yeah. yeah but, no, uh, the last the last 30 minutes or so of this film are just, just absolutely berserk. Like just, yeah, I don't think I've seen anything quite like it, honestly. Like, the, and I can honestly say that it's like everything that I love about bad taste, just they crank it up to a hundred on this one. And, uh, <laughs> well, this is, this is actually the one movie that I, I find, um, really funny. I think it was something, I think it was Eli Roth who said that like, there's one movie in the history of movies that actually quenches my thirst for blood. And it's basically this one because it is pivoting towards like the reductive rating round. This is, um, when I first watched it, I described it. It's just a total splatter film face melter. Like it is like unbelievable. Like, I mean, again, there isn't an economy to it like prior to the 30 straight minutes of, of, you know, shredding human bodies into paste. Um, and it, I, I literally sat there and went, okay, so Peter Jackson had to go. Okay. So I really love, you know, Sam Raimi movies. I really love Stuart Gordon movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. They aren't gross enough. They don't have enough intestines, decapitations, (laughs) gushing blood, spinal cords, just general flesh mutilation. And exactly he just he, 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 he had to one up them. It's just a nonstop gore gag after another. And, and, and everything is chunky and stretchy and gooey and body parts are flying and piling up and things are tearing. It, it is honestly one of the ultimate like screen bloodbaths um, that, that, that there is, which is why, you know, we, it, it, it's perfect for our show. And for me, you know, this, this has to get, 
um, the, 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 the high four for me. I'm, I mean, like, I think if, if I keep coming back to this one, I can see this one honestly upgrading to the five because I, 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 I keep wanting to come back to it. I've, I've yep. watched it twice <laughs> yep. this year. I watched it for the first time just a couple months ago. This is my second time watching it this year. And I feel like probably before the year's out, I'll probably watch it again. And I feel like any movie that keeps drawing you back in like that, it's got to be really something special. And it does yeah. make me wonder, where's this Peter Jackson at, man? Oh, I know. Mm. I know. Because we've What's had The Hobbit for, like, for the past decade. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, dude, we know what you're capable of. Just bring me the gore. I know. Just one more time. Give me bad taste too. Come on, we we want it. We'll write. I want to see it. him. I don't and, care. And, and, I don't know. And, and, and if anything, you know, the, the way that he kept every time he steps at bat, he seems to just get a little bit more successful at like the the ramping ramping it up and the escalation of it, and you know his steady cam movements and his sense of visual style just like gets more and more impressive. So, man, I really think that he could come back and he could make another crazy gore fest that totally blows us away. And I would love I would to see love it, dude. It. So just do it. Do it. Do Plus, it, do he it. would get like, like, it's Peter Jackson. So he, like, I don't know what the budget for this was, but he could easily get 50 mil. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the only thing he's let it, done let recently that, spill, that has satisfied me in as icky of a way as this is that brief um bug monster set piece in the King Kong movie that he did. Oh where, yeah. Like, the, the, oh. the dudes are being like the giant centipede by, like, like surrounding them. Fucking yeah. Worms yeah. shit. Yeah. God. Well, that sequence is great. Yeah. 100%. Horrifying. So, I'm, I'm generally positive on his King Kong as it stands. I mean, I, I know that that's I like a, it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just, the, the, if for nothing else than the, than the, the, the full sequence where Kong and the, and the T-Rex are going at it, Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, he's he's an incredible visual filmmaker. Um, well, and, and it's and it's clear that he has had a romanticism about film from the very beginning, right? So yeah. just watching him sort of like up the melodramatic elements and push back some of the you know maybe the more bad taste elements. It, it it's not like he's made bad movies by doing that. I think a lot of his movies are still good, but it's just like I would like to see him get playful again like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I'm on, I'm in the same boat. I'm kind of in that like high 4 area that easily could become the 5. I mean, that last 30 minutes like like you said with with Eli Roth saying this is the only movie that kind of quenches that thirst for blood that I have. And it, it's it's really one of those films that if this movie doesn't do it for you, then I don't know what to tell you. you know, if there's you, any other like, movie that will, yeah. You, you need to start making horror movies, apparently, because like this is so over the top, so... Just, just in your face, and uh, like I, I just love how abrasive the the grossness is of it. Uh, it's also silly, just like bad taste, but it does wrap itself around the themes a little stronger. So it, you can kind of latch on to the characters a little more. There's not a lot of character work, obviously, in bad taste compared to this one, uh, because mm. we, I, I do really find the Norman Bates kind of vibe with the with the mother mixed in with this zombie apocalypse very interesting i thought that that was a pretty good idea uh and then it also obviously leads to that great finale with a, with a giant you know 30 foot big boobed mother <laughs> that wants to destroy the girlfriend like i mean it's just it's it's unbelievable it's it's great so yeah I, i'm gonna give it the the high four for now uh but she's I also got great see- big butt cheeks Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Peter (laughs) Jackson, we also had it uh, in bad taste with the the alien butt cheeks. He he likes those (laughs) deformed butt cheeks, you know. 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, four out of five, loved it. And this could easily become like five out of five because it's just, it's unlike anything that I've seen really. And Steve, yeah. do we, we don't, we don't even need to ask, right? Yeah, I think we it's, know. It's an easy five out of five for me. Yeah. It's yeah. my favorite movie of all time. It's <laughs> like the movie literally changed my life. It cha- changed my taste. It rewired my brain. It's why I, it, 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 Peter Jackson is why I watch all the garbage I watch. So Hell yeah, that's that's where it stands. Okay, Absolutely. and 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 you're praising him for this for this yes lecture. yes well okay. you know you, you, you have to you have to embrace your your faults you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we're 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 right there with you. I'm 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 jealous that I have not seen even half the trash that you have seen, but we'll get oh, there. We're catching yeah, up. I'm trying. My we're best. making our way. <laughs> yeah, it's a tr- trust me. There, there, there's there's plenty of stuff you don't want to bother with. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I I happen to enjoy those those movies, the ones that I probably shouldn't. It, it, and some some of them are, are are interesting in their ways, but there, there's a lot, especially you know, just nowadays where anybody can grab a digital camera and just make whatever the hell they want. Where it's just like oh, desperation time. Okay, great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of that for sure. But it's still worth still worth sifting through every now and then to find you know the occasional gem. So yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's why we 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 count on people like you because a lot of the time I you know I, I follow a couple people who who go through and and do the dumpster diving as we like to say on this show and it, it helps us decide you know what we what think to bring is worth. On. <laughs> yeah, what, what's what, what's worth the time? What's worth checking out? Um, yeah, I, I was I, very I, glad I, that you brought you brought these ones with you this week. Oh, it, they, they, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to spread the love on these, and I'm happy to be the world's trash raccoon. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> we love you for well, it. Well, thanks. Well, I think that'll uh, wrap it up for this week's show. That was Bad Taste, 1987, and Brain Dead from 1992. Thanks so much, Steve, for joining us uh, for this episode. This is the part of the show, as you know, where if you've got anything uh, to plug, we usually have you do that. Uh, uh, nothing really. Uh, I'm on Twitter at El Cosgrove, which is a dead alive reference, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm also on Letterboxd under the name El Cosgrove, and I do have a occasionally updated Twitter feed, uh, Shots of Anarchy, where I post screenshots from ridiculous cheap movies and explain uh, essentially why I love cheap, ridiculous movies. So, Awesome. Sounds like anyone who listens to this show will definitely have a good time on that Twitter feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for for our listeners, uh, we are going to be back in one week's time where we are going to be doing the uh, patron exclusive episode um, that you guys voted on. This is the first ever yeah. uh, democratically selected <laughs> Uh, double feature from exclusively from the patrons and it'll be over on the Patreon for next week's bonus episode and we are going big dads working through their very very messy (laughs) ugly divorces trying their best through uh, horror art cinema we are going to be talking about David Cronenberg's The Brood from 1979 as well as Andre uh, Zawoski's Possession from 1980. That was Good the one Lord. that people voted on. It's it, it it's it was some pretty rough watching, 
some 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 work. insanity going on there. But we are going to be deep diving into that. We've been talking um, again, a lot of Sam Neil. Zoids podcast. Yeah, I we could, we just did uh, Event Horizon in, in the Mouth of Badness, so it was good to so good. go back and kind of catch a young Sam Neil. Yeah. Um, so that's next week's bonus episode. But for the week after. Uh, and actually, that's going to be the first episode of Spooktober. Steve has kind of guided us in with sort of like a <laughs> yeah. quasi-Spooktober episode. That's the first episode of Spooktober. The second one, and it's it's a really big one. It's one that we've literally had planned for a year. And you might have noticed we watched all the films in both of these franchises leading up to both of these films f- specifically for this episode. I peppered the year with them <laughs> without you guys even knowing. <laughs> but we are having... Special guest, Will Meneker of the Chapo Trap House podcast. He's yeah. coming back for his second episode where he is going to be talking about two horror sequels to like iconic films that yeah. shouldn't be as good as they are, but are. <laughs> and that is Psycho 2 by Richard Franklin, Ooh. as well as Exorcist 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Psycho 2 is such a great film. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I watched, haven't seen I, either, so I'm really, really stoked. I watched Psycho 2 for the first time just by happenstance during quarantine, and it's incredible. I was yeah, blown yeah. away by Psycho 2. And like, I, how I you pull that off? I insane. still haven't seen, but we've had a lot of people in, in, in the Discord and on the Patreon begging us to do that one, and we knew that we were saving it because Will yeah. loves that movie, and he really wanted to bring it on. Richard, so that's going to Frank, be... Richard Franklin was so great. So great. Yeah. yeah. I, wish got, I wish you gotten to do more. But the only the only other one we've done was Road Games, and we love Road great. Games. Great, yeah. Road, road Games is road awesome. Road Games is terrific. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Very, it's going to be an awesome episode, I think. Yeah, so we're going to have a lot of fun, and that's going to kick us off right into Spooktober. So we're going to be we're going to kind of have an entire month of nonstop horror craziness, and it's going to be a good time. So very awesome. That, be, that being said, I think that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. And as always, keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.